Aloha and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Got Your Six podcast. This podcast brings together current service members and veteran high performers to share their methods, strategies, and ideas delivered in an informative and most importantly, actionable way that'll help you lead yourself and those around you from the battlefield to the border. Coming to you every episode, I'm your host, Tony Nash, and into the breach. Nothing mentioned on this podcast is an endorsement or opinion of the Department of Defense. I got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. I got your six. I don't know what you've been told. The views we have are all our own. Yes, we serve the DOD. But my opinions come from me. Yeah, I got your six, we got your back. I got your six, we got your back. I got your six, we got your back. I got your six. Sixers today. Normally, I wouldn't get excited about somebody, especially being at the Naval Academy, but Thomas Schumann's extremely special. You might have seen him on the news recently for helping Zach and his entire family leave during everything that was going on in Afghanistan, and he was the forefront of that. Not only with his work as a president and founder of PBA Abate, which honors the legacy of Marine Sergeant Matthew Abate, it's just been central to tribe, whether you're inside or outside the military. Uh, that's something we can all get behind. Tom, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. There's so many different spots that we could begin with, and you're known for wearing so many different hats. Where do you find, not the time, but the determination to see all of this through? Because it's easy to start something, but to continue it is a whole nother battle. Yeah, uh, it's not how you start, it's how you finish, right? Everybody can be a sizzle in the pan. It's always lonely at the finish line. And like everybody else, I have a million good ideas. And especially, I actually just finished teaching the Naval Academy. I'm now at the Naval War College as a student. And these 18 and 20 year olds are full of ambitions and hopes and they're going to do this and they're going to do that and they could do any of those things right but uh i would challenge them rather than try to do everything try to do one thing and um maybe i don't take my own advice though <laughs> so uh yeah I, I i mean to me uh i'm always going to be someone who walks point and, and if i think there's a sandbag to be filled i'm going to fill it and um it's not easy but it's i guess what sustains you is the, the sense of purpose that you're getting out of whatever you're, you're pouring yourself into. And when you think of service, I think it's generally inherently selfless. And so to me, the, the most value, the most meaning are those moments that were lost in service to somebody else. And so I try to find as many of those opportunities as possible, whether that's through my profession, through my nonprofit or to my family. When you're living a life for others, I think you're living a life uh, well lived. That's an excellent point, the selfless service piece. Is that something you kind of really understood the more you got into the Marine Corps? Or is that something that was instilled in you, you know, throughout your life from your family, friends? Yeah, I think my mother modeled that. A uh, single mom, Chicago cop, growing up on the South Side of Chicago. You know, she had me when she was 19. And her whole world uh, really revolved around providing my sister and I better opportunities than she had for herself. And so well, my mom actually didn't want me to join the military. And while I really didn't grow up wanting to join the military anyways, that we don't have a you know rich family history or I didn't, you know, I didn't watch a GI Joe commercial when I was six and think, you know, so 
I did have that modeled uh, through my mom and, and service to her community as a police officer and then service to her children. And uh, she worked her butt off and um, made things happen for us that she never dreamed of for herself. So I think that was impactful. And, and then w- once you have a platoon, uh, you've got 35, 18-year-olds that, I mean, they're depending on you to train them and prepare them for war. And not only are they depending on you, but their moms, their children, their wives. And so uh, at that point, like anything in the Marine Corps, we can really use the phrase too much, right? And so uh, when you're at TBS at the basic school for officers, it's, you know, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's like to the point that it becomes, you, you just kind of tune it out when you hear it. But I mean, it isn't at all about you. And so I, I think, yeah, maybe a little bit uh, the profession and then obviously I think maybe a personal role model. Having not only that role model in your life, which I come from a single mother as well, so I totally can understand what that looks like growing up, right? Seeing someone constantly serving everyone else but themselves. You do this in a lot of different ways where you continue to be selfless when it comes to your service. One of the big pieces is like, I think has to do with your writing right? Not only do you have a master's degree in English literature from Georgetown, but you're constantly looking at ways to communicate, especially that key term that we talked about at the beginning of the show, that tribe piece, which is something, whether you're in the military or outside the military, we're always trying to find our tribe. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, writing is really about making meaning of my experiences. And I don't really know how I feel about something until I write about it. And uh, for the first 10 years of my Marine Corps career, I I like to use this as an excuse, but I, I think it is, it is an excuse. You know, I didn't have time. And I think it was more that I was too afraid. And so, you know, I went from platoon commander to recon, JTAC, to back to Afghanistan, to, to the school of infantry, to company command. And so in this first 10 years, I'm constantly in command of others. And I use that as an opportunity not to deal with whatever I'm dealing with. And it's a temporary solution, but it doesn't actually fix the things that uh, are deal with the things that need to be dealt with. And, and it wasn't until I, you know, I got to Georgetown and finally I had, it was just me. And, uh, my sole responsibility was to be a student and, and a student of literature and write a lot. And so if my writing have a lot of aspects of tribe, that's because the last decade of my life has had, has been imbued with tribe and, and whether that's rolling with first platoon keel company three five um or lima company three four uh you know uh, as a company commander i mean one way or the other i've been surrounded by by giants no that's that's a great way to put it again continue talking about that service it's everyone else that you've been able to surround yourself with has helped kind of build you up and mold you in a way that allows you to then to provide for others you know as you rise to the ranks now that you know you're back being a student again and you're kind of reassessing everything going on in your life. Is there something that you're kind of working towards that you wouldn't have expected to acquire the skill or talent at this point in your life? The talent that I'm really trying to continually work on is being a better husband and dad. And, uh, you know, I, I could lead Marines. That's what I I think I'm uh, okay at. You know, to me, give me hundred Marines, 300 Marines, 500 Marines. I'll get it. I'll make it. And, and, and of course there's plenty of leadership challenges through that, but, you know, leading in the home is a new battle space for me. And one that's a lot more challenging because there are no direct orders. There's no rank, there's no UCMJ. 
and I've got three little belligerent lance corporals and uh, I've got a, to me, a heroic wife who is in the trenches all day, every day, hooking and jabbing. And so I think at this point in my life, I am continually being challenged to be uh, a better, a better husband and, and, a, and a better dad. And that's causing me to uh, definitely evolve. And so on the home front, and then I, I really had to learn, adapt and grow in my role with PB Abate in that, you know, I know how to run an organization. You know, I've, I've run a company, right? I've been a company commander. I've been the director of combat instructor school. I know how to run an organization, but those people generally have to listen to me. Whereas now I have an all volunteer staff at Patrol Base Abate and I'm ambitious. You know, I like to get after it and I want things to move at my speed, which is warp speed. And when you have people being super generous and giving their time to support your mission, finding different ways to influence, persuade, motivate, inspire that isn't necessarily uh, commander subordinate is definitely been a challenge. And, um, and, and yeah, I, I've had to learn and adapt in, in that environment as well. There is definitely a relationship between, you know, the all volunteer staff and then the home front of trying to tie those two together in terms of taking what we've talked about on the show a couple of times, the, the security halt and reassessing where you're at. How do you do that in the home and life environment? Because like you said, it's easy to do when there's that very structured rank system. But like you said, when you're working with volunteers or with your family, it, it's this cooperate collaboration. Yeah, I, I think maybe one thing that transcends all all three realms is is listening and learning. And so if I take the time to listen to where you're coming from, listen to what matters to you, I learn what motivates you, what's going on in your life. I then know how to help you. And when I know how to help you, I can lead you. And so I, I think I'm a guy who is very quick and intuitive and makes snap judgments and says, this is what, this is what's, and to me, like you said, it's that, it's that security pause. It's that tactical halt that I say, okay, maybe I just need to cycle my loop, right. And do a little bit of listening, still, still stop listening. And so, yeah, maybe I need that little kind of, and and so I do think it's, it's imperative to kind of take that tactical pause, uh, that security halt and uh, listen to what, is going on, listen to what my wife needs, listen to what the people in, in my organization are, are asking of me and uh, making sure that I'm then resourcing them uh, uh, accordingly and, and, and finding ways to, to help them. Can you give us a recent example or just an example where you've gone to make that snap judgment and had to catch yourself or you know been caught making a snap judgment and it's like, hold on a second. Oh yeah, I feel like I do that every day. I have a good example. When I was at the Naval Academy, I had a student who he's got a rich Marine Corps legacy in his family, a little bit entitled in in that legacy, uh, feeling maybe a little bit special uh, or above some of the uh, requirements. He's also just was a little bit lazy, and uh, but he was but he was smart and he knew he was smart and he had a lot of excuses as to why he's struggling through some, some stuff. And some of those excuses were valid and some of them were, uh, I think self-induced. And this was, uh, two years ago when we, the students went home and then they didn't come back for spring break. We we stayed virtual throughout the the whole time. And so my students were at home and I was teaching from home. They didn't come back for spring break. And 
this guy had missed a couple assignments and after he missed, you know, a third assignment in a row, I teed up the counseling. <laughs> you know, I, I just, in, in my anger, I had all my notes. I was ready to just light him up. And uh, just before we talked, I had gone back through some of his reflection papers. And there were some indications and warnings that there might be something going on at home. So literally like the minute before we started, I adjusted and I started the conversation with, Hey, what's going on with you? And he went on to tell me, you know, his, he was failing this class and his parents had kicked him out of his home because they said they, he's, he's dishonored their name and he's been couch surfing between friends and that they told him that if he didn't pass this class, he no longer, you know, belonged to their family because he was going to have disgraced them. And what he needed was someone to give him a hug, you know, what he needed was someone to kind of lift him up. And he's, he is the kind of a guy that had I gone in there and, and hammered him like I had fully intended to, he would not have let me know. Like he wouldn't have spoke up. Like he would have just taken it and I would have just compounded that problem a million times worse. And, uh, I was so, so close to making that, I'm making a very poor decision there. And so that was, you know, example, that's kind of a snap judgment that was barely avoided. And, and so I keep trying to remind myself to just take one second and make sure that there aren't any other external factors. Most of the time, the extraneous factors, I think are not valid. Like I don't care, but one in a hundred, someone's going to say something and you're like, oh, okay, I need to change the tone tenor and direction of this conversation based on that information. But if you don't ask, you might never find out and you might really squander uh, that relationship or an opportunity. That's an excellent point too, because you're somebody who believes in personal accountability and self-discipline being these like fundamental elements to any leader. And I think you've said before, like without those, nobody has any business leading anyone else. So being able to kind of, like you said, take that one second pause and look around really makes a huge difference because that one time out of a hundred, while it is small, is very impactful. Yeah. And I think along that vein, uh, because I have such high standards for my, that I hold to myself and I, and such high accountability for myself that I have a difficult time understanding that like not everybody is that way. And, you know, when, when I'm a company commander, my platoon commanders, I'm ruthless with. I'm like, don't care. You're an officer. Suck it up. Figure it out. But there's some people within my organization that are filling critical roles, but they just don't have the same motivation. And I keep thinking, you know, if I were in your position, well, you're not them. <laughs> and they like, and so like, uh, you know, or, or the same thing, you know, I've got a three-year-old daughter. I'm like thinking like, she's an adult. Like she's like, like that she's can think and uh, like, no, she's like the, basically the same intelligence of my dog, you know? And so like, I need to maybe scale, you know, how I approach the situation. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a challenge, but something I need to continue to improve on. Right. And as a leader, you take on this coach role where you understand essentially like your athletes or those people that are on your team, how they work, because, you know, maybe the person you have doing like live events for like your recent music festival and the comedy show are going to have different, you know, intrinsic values and motivators that push them, you know, to continue to achieve more 
maybe not to the extent or fidelity that you would go for, but in the right direction. Constantly just trying to attune and align with what works for them rather than, you know, what necessarily works for me. So what works for you is something that we talk about a lot on the Gotcha 6 podcast, but that comes over time, right? Both through success and failure. Where has a failure ultimately led to a great success in your life? Um, It's going to be one of my failures that ultimately led me to asking for help. And there's been a couple of those where I am, I guess, so proud. I don't know what the right term is there, but I, I'd rather almost drown quite literally, uh, than, you know, ask for someone to throw me a life raft. And, um, I don't want to feel like I'm a burden to somebody. I don't want to feel like I'm inconveniencing people, but maybe grad school is a good example of that. And so I started grad school and I read one book while I was on deployment to Australia, Great Expectations by Charles Dickens. And then I thought I could be in an English master's program at Georgetown without an English background. That did not qualify me. And uh, I started off like I was in the MLB all-star game and people were just throwing 100 mile power heaters by me and I should be in the T-ball league. And I initially tried to to go it alone and immediately I realized I'm not going to make it. Like th- these 22-year-old kids in this program are brilliant uh, subject matter experts uh, on this and and I, and I know better because I know how do you attack a difficult objective in the Marine Corps? You do it as a, as a squad, as a fire team, as a platoon. So I had to get out of my comfort zone, uh, humble myself. And nobody in this graduate program, these 22-year-old artists, and actors, and poets, uh, they're not looking to hang out with the 33-year-old Marine guy, right? And so I had to go to them and say, you know... I'm a good dude, and not through my words, but through my actions, and I'm somebody that you might want to consider to be your friend. And so ultimately, I was adopted into that tribe, and it was through their support, writing and and learning about composition and academia. I mean, I don't get through Georgetown without, you know, one of my best friends, Ian Jane or, 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 or Gabby, and people who were completely different from me, but uh, who absolutely were there to kind of support me. And uh, without them, I don't think I make it. It's so interesting to be in those situations where you're so out of your element and what you've known for so long doesn't exist anymore, at least different cultural norms. Having just come out of grad school myself, I was there two weeks in, like, what am I doing here? I think they sent the acceptance letter to the wrong person and put the name on there. You have to, like you said, understand the situation and be able to go and say, hey, we're all in this together. I want to learn. I just don't know where to go from here because this is a foreign area. So thank you so much for being on here. Before we go, Tom, I do want to ask you one final question. And you've hinted at it a lot. How are you better than yesterday? I am better than yesterday by constantly taking stocks of where I didn't meet the mark and having honest and real assessments of where I can improve. And today, I think I'm hopefully a little bit better of a husband and a little bit better of a dad than I was yesterday, because this is where I think I had the steepest learning curve. And so, I mean, my daughter is perpetually humbling me, right? And and so I try to do this, like right now, just trying to get her to go to bed, you know, at night. It is a humbling experience. And so she's 
teaching me all different new methods of persuasion, negotiation, patience. And so I'm better today because I'm a little bit more patient, um, a little bit more humble. And uh, I really have uh, to thank my daughter for that. That's awesome. And that's, that is the best way to show it, right? By working with others in order to become a better version of yourself every day. Tom, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for what you're doing with PB Abate and continuing to spread that message and allowing people to find tribe uh, that might not feel like they have it and be in that place. And last but not least, thank you for having our six. Sixers, thank you for listening to another episode of the Gotcha Six podcast. If you got something out of this, be a battle buddy. Share it with a friend, pass it along, tell them what you got out of it. If you're listening to us on Apple, make sure you give us a five-star review. Or if you don't like what we're doing, let us know. How can we get better? We're always here to adapt and evolve as this podcast continues to grow. And if you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button and you'll never miss an episode when we drop new ones every Monday. I don't know what you've been told, Sixers, but the lawyers would like us to remind you that the views, opinions, and comments expressed on the Gotcha Six podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests to include current and previous Department of Defense employees and should in no way be considered the opinions of or endorsements on behalf of the Department of Defense or any of its components, divisions, contractors, or other current and previous staff members.